Welcome to episode 31 of the Burning Bush Podcast, where we share the message of the Bible while enjoying a good cigar. Hope everybody's having a good week out there, and I uh, just want to say thanks for taking a minute to listen to the podcast with me this week. This week I am smoking the La Aurora 1903 edition Preferidos Diamond Connecticut Broadleaf. It's a Toro five and a half by 54. So let me go ahead over to the website and uh, read you what they have to say about it. The 1903 edition Parejo. Six completely different blends in six different cigars that have, although the same extreme cares during the leave selection and the process, it is the same format, preferido, and same limits in production. An expert roller can only handcraft 100 perfectos per day. And they come in um, a Connecticut, a Maduro, Ecuador, Cameroon, and a Connecticut Broadleaf, which as I said is the one I'm smoking. Um, In the notes on the Broadleaf it says, this cigar is the one, full-bodied, Strong and tasty smoke with creamy, wooden, sweet, and spicy hints, nutty and citric notes. It's not a cigar for anybody but experts to smoke. And the sizes are Robusto, uh, 5x50, Corona, 5.5x42, and a Toro, 5.75x54. So those are the only sizes that they have listed on the website. And I didn't look anywhere else because uh, sometimes, once in a while, you go to the manufacturer's website and they don't have all the sizes listed, but I guess you guys can research that if you're interested. Uh, and the strength on the broadleaf is a 85 out of 100. And the wrapper is Connecticut broadleaf. Binder is Chibau Valley in the Dominican Republic as well as the filler is also Chabao Valley and Nicaraguan. So those are the notes on the La Aurora 1903 uh, Preferidos Diamond Connecticut Broadleaf. And I don't like to say bad things about cigars, but uh, there, there was one other cigar, I can't remember what it was, a couple weeks back that I had a really bad experience with. And the same uh, is happening with this one. I bought a box of these, and uh, this is the fourth one I'm smoking. And uh, it's a very erratic burn line. Uh, They keep going out, uh, very flaky ash. So it's just a difficult smoke. You're you're constantly babysitting it, and uh, you have to ash it. Otherwise, you're going to drop ash all over everything. You have to keep it ashed. So just uh, wanted to let you know about that. I don't know if it's just the box I got or if they're all like that. I, I, I have no idea. So just to forewarn you about that, maybe hopefully your experience will be different. Maybe this was just a bad batch that I got. So anyway, let's go ahead and get back into uh, Mike Kaiser's book, What Does God Want? And uh, this is the second section of chapter 8 entitled thinking clearly about discipleship 
We need to think carefully about how all that applies to discipleship. Because of the performance trap I talked about earlier, we need to have a clear grasp of the fact that salvation and discipleship are not the same thing. Many believers unconsciously begin to add their own works or performance to the gospel because of guilt for their sin. The result is spiritual bondage, not the abundant life Jesus wants us to have. John 10.10, 10, 2 Corinthians 1.5, and Ephesians 3.20. Salvation is a gift given to us by God when we believe the gospel. It is undeserved. Nevertheless, God offers it to us despite our sin and hostility toward him. Discipleship is something we do as a result of believing the gospel. We imitate Jesus to show our love for him and for God. Jesus was the ultimate imager of God, so we want to live the same way. There are a lot of reasons to live like Jesus, to live a holy life. Earning God's love isn't one of them. Salvation doesn't cost us anything. It's free for all who believe the gospel. Discipleship, however, does cost us something. Following Jesus is often not easy. Being a disciple requires making choices to love and honor God, to treat people for what they are, fellow imagers of God that he loves and wants to bring into his family through the gospel. Think about Jesus' own life. It wasn't easy. As the Bible says, Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. 1 Peter 2.21 Jesus lived a life of sacrifice. He put God first, followed by his neighbor, everyone else. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Jesus lived this way, not so God would love him or be happy with him. God loved Jesus already, long before he ever came and did works, performed, to fulfill the covenant. He loved Jesus before the foundation of the world. John 17, 24. Following Jesus can be hard, since no believer is like Jesus when they first believe, and since it's just hard to live like Jesus consistently, every disciple needs to have a change of heart, what the Bible calls repentance, about his behavior. I know I did. There were things I had to stop doing and things I had to start doing but none of that was to make God love me. He already loved me. Jesus did what he did because he loved God. So must we. Jesus lived a certain way to help other, others believe in him and God's plan. So must we. Jesus knew why he was on earth, how he would die a horrible death on our behalf. But he also trusted God's plan and power. He would rise from the dead 
and be with his father once more. We must have the same eternal perspective. This world isn't our real home. It's temporary. The next one is permanent. Because of what Jesus did, we will inherit everlasting life in that world, leaving this one behind. The goal of our lives should be to show our loyalty and gratitude to the one who saved us and help others enter God's family. What if we fail? What if we sin? We will do both. God knows that. He knows humans pretty well. He knows who we are. But he already loved us before we had the slightest interest in doing anything to love him back. He loved us when we were his enemies, while we were yet sinners, Romans 5.8. God loved us before we were in his family. Why would he love us less or stop loving us now that we're in his family? When we sin and fail, he forgives us. He wants us to believe that and get back to imitating Jesus. That's the end of this section of chapter 8 entitled Thinking Clearly About Discipleship. That'll do it for this week, and I hope you'll come back next week again and continue to study through Mike Kaiser's book, What Does God Want? And uh, appreciate it if you'd check out the show notes for links to all of Mike's books, his Awakening School of Theology, his Naked Bible podcast, as well as uh, Groundworks Ministries for daily uh, Bible study and devotionals. And uh, check out the Burning Bush podcast merchandise store as well. Pick up a t-shirt, stickers, magnet, a cup to uh, help spread the word about the show. I'd appreciate it. So until next week, have a great day, have a great cigar, and God bless. Mm -hmm.